0: For so many years, and continue to be for us this morning. So uh, that's a; those are good words. Uh, I want to; uh, I want to tell you a couple stories from this week, just to kind of illuminate uh, how my week went. Uh, so, so early in the week, I think it was Monday. Uh, I think it was Monday evening. Uh, Mandy and I were chatting, and she's been; uh, she's been going to this parenting class at the library for maybe the last. I don't know, three or four weeks. She's had three or four sessions of this. And, uh, and she's always, she's been sharing some of these thoughts with me. I haven't been able to go with her, but, but she's kind of been going, uh, on my behalf, uh, on our family's behalf. And so she had gone to this parenting class. And, uh, on, on Monday night, we're, we're chatting and, uh, as we're making dinner. And Mandy's telling me about this class and some things that she had been learning. And I don't know if I had eaten something wrong for lunch or why I was so sour, but I wasn't exactly in the greatest of moods. And uh, as she's telling me uh, this, the, the, some of this content from the parenting class, uh, at one point she says this phrase, and, uh, and I responded with something to the effect of, well, isn't that sort of obvious? <laughs> and I... Uh, and that went over really well, as you, as you can imagine, uh, uh, and I didn't exactly say it in my most jovial tone ever, uh, isn't that sort of obvious, and uh, I think a few tears were shed and, uh, and I had some apologizing to do uh, throughout the evening, I mean it kind of put a damper on the whole evening to tell you the truth, uh, it wasn't my finest moment uh, in, in my married life. Uh, but then uh, later on in the week, uh, it wasn't my finest use of words either. If you if you get my drift here, later on in the week, I've uh, I've started playing basketball on Wednesday nights out at Manhattan Christian. So so I'm only a few weeks into this, but I was out at Manhattan Christian uh, playing basketball on Wednesday night, and uh, the way it kind of works out there is a. Uh, we had enough people that there were two games running simultaneously so so you kind of ended up with a like a winners court and a and a losers court not that not that we're all losers who are playing on the losers court but if your team were to lose on the winners court then you get to go over and play the losers from the other court and the winners on kind of the loser's court get to move up, right, to the, to the top court and play the winners from the other game. And so uh, this is kind of going back and forth uh, all night. But, uh, but of course, uh, there, was some, there was a couple good, really good teams that had kind of they'd been on the winner's court most of the evening. But at one point, I was on a, a team with this, this high school girl, uh, African-American student. I say that because I, I think it matters to the story. And, uh, and we had won. So we're on our way over to the winner's court to play, to play there, uh, next. And, uh, uh, and, and yet, for some reason, the way it worked out that night, that they didn't need a full team at that point. They only needed, the way it was kind of working out, we had to shoot in order to, to have only just one person go over and play on this winner's court. It kind of dwindled down. So they only needed one person to go over to this court. And uh, and so this this young woman, she shot first, and she made it. So awesome. She's heading over to, to play uh, with a bunch of guys that are really awesome, but she's going to get this, this great game in, and uh, so she walks over, and uh, a few moments later, she comes trudging back to the loser's court with kind of her head down, sullen, uh, kind, of, kind of sullen in attitude, spirit, and, uh, and she's like, they, they just found somebody else, to, to jump in and play on the team. they had Instead of going through the, the right channels, they had, uh, they, had, they had kind of superseded the whole process, and, and she wasn't getting a fair crack. And I could see she was just kind of down, and I kind of... I mean, I can't, can't imagine that being in her position as a, as a, a young girl who's a, a, uh, an African-American person in our community, that she hasn't had her fair share of moments where she had to hang her head... And kind of walked back dejected uh, by a bunch of older guys. And uh, so, uh, I don't know, kind of without even thinking, uh, and, and in the way that typically works for me, I, I used some humor to kind of lighten the mood, and, and I said, that's sexist. And I said, what. We're taken to the streets for you. We're, I said, next week, when we do the national anthem, which you don't do it, pick up basketball, I said, I'm, I'm kneeling on your behalf. And, uh, and <laughs> not, not that I want to pro- promote some sort of political uh, dialogue here, but she, uh, immediately her demeanor lifted. And she felt like she had been heard and recognized that this was kind of troubling, that that something had just happened that, that uh, uh, she, she didn't appreciate and that maybe she was even kind of accustomed to and that somebody had heard her in that moment. Somebody had seen her pain. Uh, and so uh, here I had used a few little words to change her entire night and maybe to change her entire week. I don't know. But I have these two stories that I hold in tension because a few days earlier, I had used a couple stupid words that had altered an entire night in a terrible way. And, and then here for this, this young girl, I had used a few words, a few simple words and, and, a, and a few jokes uh, to kind of change her entire night uh, for the good. Uh, so I want to talk about our words this morning, because our words uh, have so much power. There, there is a wisdom in how we steward our words. Our words are loaded with potential. They can either harm, or they can heal. They can build up or tear down. They can bless or they can curse. And Proverbs talks ad nauseum about our words, about our tongue, about our voice. Uh, the book of Proverbs knows well how significant of a theme or an idea that this is. If we want to be wise, if we want to live the life Jesus has set forth for us, we have to learn to manage our words. We have to learn to tame our tongue, to steward our words for blessing and not curse, to bring life and not to, bring, to deliver death. So this morning I want to tell a few stories. Uh, some of them are from Scripture. Some of them are from the world. Most of them are from my life. Some of them are great, and I'm very proud to tell. Some of them are hideous, and I can't believe I'm about to share them with you. I'm, I'm actually quite nervous uh, to be sort of vulnerable. Uh, I, but I hope that in hearing some of these stories and ideas from Scripture, and then in hearing my stories from my life, that you can somewhat find yourself in those stories. Uh, I'm about to say a dangerous thing here. I hope your mind wanders over the next 20 minutes. I hope that you are only half paying attention over the next 20 minutes or so and that your mind is traveling to times where maybe you have or haven't stewarded your words well. That maybe my stories and the stories of Scripture can help your mind wander to times in your life where you've You've made a mess of things with your words, but also to times where you've spoken true blessing into people's lives through, through the stewarding uh, well of, of your words. I hope that by the end of this message, uh, we can all commit anew to using the power of language as a blessing and not a curse, to, to be intentional about using our words to bring life. All right, so a couple of ideas. I want to explore this morning. First thing that that I would say is that our words reflect the condition of our hearts. We see this theme throughout the entirety of Scripture. We see it throughout Proverbs, but Jesus continues this message on in the Gospels as well. Our words reflect the condition of our heart. Proverbs 12, the wise don't make a show of their knowledge, but the hearts of fools broadcast their foolishness. The Fools broadcast their foolishness there 's a beauty there 's a beautiful humility in wisdom, but folly cannot be contained. It will eventually seep out. It is guaranteed that folly and foolishness that an unwise heart will eventually seep out in unwise words it 's almost guaranteed. Uh, Proverbs 18 says wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. If we are filled with wisdom, it bubbles up and it flows out of our mouth through a wisdom of our words. But, But similarly... If we are filled up with folly and foolishness, if we are filled up with anger, if we are filled up with jealousy or whatever it might be, that will eventually bubble up and spew out in ways that are really, really unhealthy. And Jesus talks about this in Luke 6. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, It eventually bubbles up and spews out. And it can spew out in beautiful, wise ways, or it can spew out in ways where you say something like, Isn't that sort of obvious? Uh, uh, Commentator Tremper Longman says, Fools cannot hide their hearts forever. Their true nature will eventually emerge in all of its verbal ugliness. Uh, I think that's so poignant. As people of faith, we must constantly work for our entire lives to be in unison, to be in harmony with what we say, for our hearts and our words and our actions to all be in alignment. Uh, They have to be, Uh, especially in a world where studies have found that the first thing that comes to people's minds when they hear the word Christian is hypocrite. We must work really, really hard for our lives to be in alignment For our words to match up with our hearts. It sends a terrible message when it doesn't. Eventually that stuff spews out uh, in either good ways or bad. Uh, Our words reflect the condition of our hearts. But mostly this morning, I I want to talk about how our words are loaded with potential for either blessing or curse. And I I mentioned this in, in the introduction, but I want to unpack it. A little bit more for us. Uh, Our words are loaded with potential for either blessing or curse. And we see this in the book of Proverbs, but we see it lots of other places too. And and one of the most famous places is in James chapter 3, where James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Uh, My stories so far have illuminated that, uh, but man, our words are so hard to manage. It is really, really challenging to manage our words that sometimes we can almost bless and curse simultaneously. Uh, For those of you who are friends with me on Facebook, you know that I, uh, I recently completed a rock climbing wall for my kids in the basement. So I just built this rock climbing wall. And so uh, I, I was upstairs the other day, sitting in the, in the dining room, uh, working on something at the table, but I can hear everything that's happening downstairs, and Zoe and Peyton are downstairs, climbing on the rock climbing wall, and within a matter of minutes, I heard two phrases from Peyton, maybe even within the matter of a minute. I heard her say to Zoe, you're a scaredy cat, in one minute, mocking her older sister for being a scaredy cat, and then within maybe 30 seconds or a minute, I heard, Zoe, I heard Peyton say to Zoe, uh, you have really strong muscles, Zoe. Uh, <laughs> so like, within a minute, she had both cursed and blessed her older sister, and I think that's, that's the difficulty that we're wrestling with. It is so hard to manage our words and to be consistently blessing and never cursing. It's terribly hard to do that. One minute we're calling someone a scaredy cat and the next we're saying they have strong muscles. Uh, or one minute we're saying, well, isn't that sort of obvious? And the next uh, we're saying, I got your back and I understand the, your plight. I get it, at least in some little way. Uh, so, so these two things. Uh, first, words can be a terrible curse. Our, our words are so powerful But they can be used in really terrible ways. Words can hurt and wound and crush someone's spirit. Words can alter someone's life forever. Words can destroy. It's why the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is complete and utter garbage. It's it's not a good phrase. It's not a helpful phrase. It is totally mistaken. Again, as uh, Tremper Longman says, this old adage may be clever, but it was not formulated by a sage. According to Proverbs, words are life-bringing or death-dealing. They are certainly not harmless. Our words are so, so powerful. They can alter someone's life forever. They can totally destroy someone that kind of phrase is a total lie our words can hurt and do so much so much harm Uh, and James 3 talks about this as well he says likewise the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on, by, set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That is so powerful, and so are our words. They can be so harmful. Uh, I have a, I had a friend all through uh, elementary school and, and middle school and high school, and uh, and, and uh, we've lost touch at this point, but we were very close growing up. Uh, did lots of things together, and uh, and he had a couple really bad years in middle school. Uh, all because of a couple silly words that he uttered. And uh, this, was a, this would have been the mid-90s, uh, where homophobia was more tolerated than it, it would be today. And uh, I wasn't there when this event first took place, so I, I don't actually know the context of why he said the words that he said. But in context, uh, my friend said the phrase, I'm not that gay. He's he said the phrase, I don't I don't know what the context text was. I, he wasn't gay. He isn't to this day. And so I don't know the context of why he uttered those words. But he uttered those four words, I'm not that gay, and he had a traumatic middle school experience for about 2 years after that. Kids teased him endlessly. Like mocked him, tortured him endlessly about these four simple words that he had uttered. Uh, and he had such a terrible, terrible experience in middle school, all because of four simple words that he mistakenly uttered and that got twisted and turned by all sorts of other evil words. Uh, and uh, I, I, I was friends with him, and I, I, I wasn't one who was uttering those words. I was probably far too silent on that issue. I probably didn't stick up for him enough, but I certainly had words that I uttered. Uh, that I am not proud of uh, having uttered in in my kind of adolescent maturing days as well, uh, I had a friend and, and she she was a friend and continued to be a friend and We actually even dated in high school years later for for a little while uh, so I, honestly i didn 't mean to say i didn 't mean to hurt her i didn 't mean to say something uh, really hurtful but uh, uh, she she suffered from uh, a lot of acne and had some pox on her face, and, uh, and I, I think the way the story went was, uh, if, if you've ever seen the movie Grease, you know that there's kind of this villainous character in the movie Grease that, that uh, is known as Craterface in the movie, right? And I, and I think I had just watched that movie, and we're sitting by each other at a basketball game, I can still kind of picture where I was that, that uh, afternoon. And I turned to my friend and I said, has anyone ever called you crater face? And I, right? You're gasping. And, and I gasped almost as it left my mouth. And I, it's that moment where you want to pull your words back in and you can't because they're out there in the ether and you, you can't reel them back in. And I knew instantly I had hurt her and I drudged up some painful baggage that she was dealing with as a 12 or 13 year old girl that, that was, was, was growing into her body, and I had said this phrase, and I couldn't take it back. And thank God she forgave me in time, but I know I hurt her. Uh, our hurt, uh, it, it's two simple little words, and I hurt her badly. And it was four simple words, and my friend had a tragic experience in middle school for years to come. Our words can be such a curse if they're not stewarded well. Uh, But thank God, our words can be an immense blessing as well. If we use them well, they can be such a blessing. And Proverbs is clear uh, 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 on this point. Proverbs 10, the the words of the wise are a life-giving fountain. Chapter 13, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Proverbs 15, Gentle words are a tree of life. And then uh, I love the imagery in, in chapter 16. Kind words are like honey. Uh, they drip down and they're, they're sweet and they saturate us uh, with goodness. Uh, kind words are, are like honey. And, and, and so we have to be intentional about how, our, how we use our words because they can be so, so good. And we, we all know this. We all know that our words can be used so well. They can be used to encourage and to uplift. Mandy and I have these friends named Brian and Nicole who they've been to this church a number of times as they've, as they've visited, so maybe you've met them before. But they are so encouraging and so uplifting. Everything that they say is so saturated in blessing. Uh, and it's not shocking that everyone wants to be their friends. We always count it as a blessing that we get to be their friends because it seems like everyone that we know is, loves Brian and Nicole and clamors to be around them. I think it's because of their words. They're so encouraging. They are so uplifting. Uh, our words can inspire entire movements. They can be inspirational in nature. You think about uh, Martin Luther King Jr., right? There, was, there were lots and lots of great things happening, and then he delivers this speech uh, with four powerful words, I have a dream, and it catalyzes an entire movement, and it inspires an entire group of people to join the cause. And to fight for justice. And we've seen it in our, in our recent presidents uh, as well, especially in their presidential can- campaigns, right? You think about President Obama, uh, right? He, he catalyzed an entire movement, whether you agree with it or not, uh, around a phrase like, yes, we can, right? He gave this speech and he had three simple words that took fire. They set fire and they inspired people and they catalyzed an entire movement. And then similarly, Donald Trump has done the same, right? Again, whether you agree or disagree, four simple little words, make America great again, uh, have kind of captured... Uh, a movement. They've, they've captured something that people were kind of longing for and they rallied people around a cause with four simple little words. Our words are so powerful and they can inspire entire movements. And we have to be really careful about that if we're not using them well. But we also can use that as a, an incredible blessing. Our words can correct abuses. They can stand up against injustice. They can side with people who, who feel like they're on the outskirts and, and they're marginalized in our society. Uh, I think that's what Jesus was doing with the story with the woman caught in, in adultery, right? The Pharisees bring this woman out to be stoned. She's, she's living in sin and she's been caught in adultery. Uh, and, and what does Jesus do? He uses his words to correct abuses, stand up against injustice, and to side with people who are marginalized and, imp- and, and oppressed. He, he calls the Pharisees out on their own sin, and they walk away uh, w- without casting any stones. He declares the woman uncondemned and forgiven. He uses his words uh, to, to, to forgive this woman and to say that, No one's here to condemn you and neither do I. And then at the end of the story, he uses his words to challenge the woman to go and to change her ways. You can do better. I believe in you. I, I believe that you can turn away from these destructive patterns that you have in your life. And he uses his his words to side with this woman who probably has felt like no one has sided with her for a very long time. And I think in some small way, that's what I was doing with this, this young girl uh, playing basketball this last week. Uh, you try to side with people, you try to stand up for people, and you try to remind people that you are loved, that you are okay just the way you are. We must be willing to wrestle with our words and learn to steward them well. And it's so, so very hard to do. I was thinking back, just a, it was maybe two or three weeks ago, I, uh, I almost fell into the trap of responding to someone on Facebook, uh, the ever-elusive trap, right? Uh, I had a friend who had written something that I completely disagreed with in every way, shape, or form, and instantly I had a, a witty, educated, uh, succinct response that I could type up in a uh, hundred characters or less, and, uh, and so I did, and I typed up a, a short little response to this person. And, uh, and just as I was about to hit send, I hit delete instead. And, uh, and I think I was right to write out my words. I think I was correct to write my words out. And I think I was correct to hit delete simultaneously. Uh, I think both of those were wise decisions. Uh, the, the writing of my thoughts was a formative process. It helped me to think through my thoughts on the issue. Uh, and yet, to send those thoughts would have only harmed the relationship worse. It would have only created a further chasm in our relationship, and it it wouldn't have changed anyone's mind. It wouldn't have made a a bit of difference, uh, and and certainly no one would have been better for me having sent that. It's a wrestling process. How do we know when to speak up and when to not? Sometimes it would be good to hit send, and sometimes it's better to hit delete. How do we use our words in order order to speak life, in order to speak blessing, and not to speak curse. Uh, I stumbled upon these words from Susanna Heschel this week. She's the daughter of Abraham Joshua Heschel, who uh, is uh, one of the great... Uh, uh, rabbinic scholars, one of the great Jewish scholars in, in, uh, in modern Jewish uh, writing, literature, and, uh, and marched alongside of Dr. King in, in the civil rights movement. A great hero for all of us. He's fantastic. And I stumbled upon these words that his daughter Susanna wrote about her father, Abraham Joshua Heschel. And she says this, and it'll be up on the screen. Uh, words he often wrote are themselves sacred, God's tool for creating the universe and our tools for bringing holiness or evil into the world. He used to remind us that the Holocaust did not begin with the building of a crematoria and Hitler did not come to power with tanks and guns. It all began with uttering evil words, with defamation, with language and propaganda. Words create worlds, he used to tell me when I was a child. They must be used very carefully. Some words, once having been uttered, gain eternity and can never be withdrawn. The book of Proverbs reminds us, he wrote, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have to wrestle with how we use our words because they are so very powerful. So I want to challenge us very simply this morning. I don't have a... A huge takeaway for you this morning, but I want us, I want to challenge us to be mindful about our language and intentional about using our words to bring life. We only have so many words in a day. Uh, we only have so many, there's only so many occasions to use our language and our voice to be a blessing. There's only so many chances to interact with people and, and to speak words of wisdom and life into their lives. There's Uh, There's only so many opportunities uh, to allow the wisdom of God to impact our speech and flow freely from our mouths. And so we have this responsibility, what I would call a spiritual responsibility, to steward those words well, to steward them with wisdom. Uh, We can use our words badly, to curse, to destroy, to do harm, or we can use them for good. So the question is, how will we use our words throughout our week Will we mock? Will we make fun of people? Will we tear them down? Will we find ways that they aren't right, aren't perfect, aren't as good as we are? Will we get angry? Will we use our words to yell, to raise our voice, uh, to, to make our point? Will we lie with our words in a world that desperately needs some more truth-telling? Will we continue to be people who who don't step up to the plate? There will we swear? Will we gossip and talk behind people's back? Will we talk without ever really listening? I think that's almost as evil as any way of of using our words. Will we, will we just be waiting for our next time to have our monologue in the conversation in the in this. This debate, or will we actually listen and engage and love people enough to hear where they're coming from and what makes them tick and and to actually get to know them in real deep ways? Or will we encourage and empower people? Will we speak life to them? Will we lift them up when they feel so discouraged? Will we speak truth? Will we forgive people Uh, when we've been hurt and broken? Uh, It doesn't mean that we're we're over the the issue, but will we use our words to forgive? Will we use our words to affirm, to stand up for someone or some group? Will we promote peace in in a world that is way too violent and, and way too filled with warfare? Will we speak peace, promote peace? Will we inspire people? Will we connect with people through our words? Will we promote dialogue Instead of debate. And ultimately will we share the good news of Jesus. This is a good word. This is good news. This is the best possible way of living. Will we use our words. To promote this beautiful way of life. uh, Where we're trying to emulate. uh, Our Lord and Savior Jesus. So may we be people. Who are intentional about our language. May we be mindful of how we use how our words are used. May there be an awareness with how our words are being heard, with how our hearts are spewing out into our language, into our voice. May we be really intentional about paying attention to that. May our words be used to build up and not tear down, to encourage and not discourage, to bring life and not death. And ultimately, May the Lord give us wisdom in how to steward our words well. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have been speaking into the world since the beginning of existence, that you sent uh, your Son as the Word made flesh, that we have your Scripture as the Word of life, as your holy Word, And that through your spirit, you continue to speak words into our life. And so likewise, I pray that we would be people who steward our words well. That our words would create beautiful new existences. uh, That our words would be incarnated in beautiful, healing ways. That our words would be uh, a means of reconciliation and redemption for our world, that you would make all things new and that you would use our words as a part of that process. Help us to be a blessing and not a curse. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.